0: all right uh this is brian bird with iron bison training podcast guest number five my friend my spiritual brother um man of arms uh rich pantusa welcome to the show
1: wow thanks brian number five it's the christmas season it's (laughs) like i'm the five golden rings wow what kind of honor is this love you brother. absolutely Iron rich, bison well, training podcast look at you and your new swag i love this i love what you're up to
0: <laughs> this is a gift from my wife she said i had to have a cool hat for the next podcast um god I really appreciate that jenny um but rich i don't want to mess up telling people who you are so when someone asks mm. who is rich pentusa who are you
1: wow um that's a that's a deep question. Thank you for asking. Um I'm forty-six <laughs> and a half years old. Um, resident now of Colorado Springs. I am the husband to an amazing wife, Robin. We're coming up on 20 years um, of our marriage. And I'm a proud father of two amazing daughters and a and a warrior son. Um sixteen-year-old daughter named Aubrey, thirteen-year-old daughter named Lauren and a nine year old son named hunter um they're the center of my universe, but uh more than that, I'm a son um and I'm a brother of yours and anyone um, that is ascribed to the narrow path i'm I'm all in with Jesus I'm all in with god um I'm all in with his approval and his love and his initiation um, I spend my days in the aviation industry. Uh, flying all kinds of airplanes, doing all kinds of fun stuff. That's my daytime passion. But uh, that for me is uh, important, but not nearly as important as who I am and who I'm becoming. So, uh, yeah, you and I are a kindred spirit in a lot of ways.
0: Who you are, who you're becoming, I'm all in with God's approval. That's, um, that's a great way to be able to say who are you. And to answer that way comes with just a, a rich source of of identity, identity in God. Mm-hmm. I appreciate that, Rich. Um, I was kind of thinking about how to introduce you, and I appreciate the way you did that because you the things that matter the most you just presented first. And mm-hmm. um, you know, Rich, we we've cut we've met at a at a retreat at a men's retreat. Um, I don't know if you remember, first time, San Antonio, Texas with our mutual friend Jay Heck of Bean Sons, uh, who's a guide to many fathers and sons to walk with God in a in a whole integrated way. And Jay's been on here before. <clears throat> I think he was guest number two or three. And um it was interesting. We we're sitting on Canyon Lake and we're we're looking out on this blue lake, and, you know. You could see to the bottom, see these catfish swimming around, and we're at a retreat, and Jay's teaching, teaching guys how to how to walk with God, essentially. And I meet Rich for the first time, and we're, I think, we're sitting on the bank of the of the lake, and and Jay's out with a jet ski, and uh, you know, and if anybody in the listeners caught this story before with Jay, but Jay's starting to do donuts, and uh, he's quite an accomplished. Quite an accomplished uh, jet skier, uh, kind of a master of the ski-do, per se. And he's doing donuts and creating rakes, and we're all, you know, jiving and jiving, and we're in between sessions, and so we're kind of having some fun. And then Jay just guns it as hard as this high-end ski-do can go, creates this wake of a donut, jumps on the back, and flips off and does a backflip, and he's coming right at us. And I think you and I were on the – The the rocky bar thinking boy if if he lands wrong this retreat's over (laughs) yeah and this is all going very fast because he's in the air while I'm thinking this and and Jay lands two feet away from where he should not and lands and gets up and rips off a Yahoo (laughs) and and the joy bomb that's released into that crowd of guys around the lake you know a lot of us come we didn't know what to expect we thought church camp and. Maybe we're going to have to sneak some cigars into this place and have some fun. But, but Jay just, you know, he brought it and does a Mm -hmm. just releases joy into a place. That's why I first met rich and we became fast friends um, rallying around anything that has to do with probably some adventure God and walking with him. But rich, it's obviously great to be with you. Um, The first question I always ask with guys who we've, we've cut some time together. And then of course, you know, we, we uh have met up at several retreats now, and and uh, we, we've got to lead together, got to lead guys in groups, processing story. And a big value of ours has always been, you know, we, as you come to my house and share, has is, is, is been the value of knowing where we're at in our story and how we're walking with God. Rich, where are you at in your story today, and how are you walking yeah. with God? <laughs>
1: That's a great question. And yeah, I mean, like when you relay that story of Jay, I did not know his spry acrobatic capability um, until <laughs> that moment. And I had a physical reaction. I think I, my abs are still cramped um, from the, the amount of laughter that came out of me. Just seeing him fly through the air. Uh, it was I wish I could say that it was uh, it was graceful like a swan. Um, it was slightly less, but his hair was flowing in the wind. Yeah, it was one of those moments where time stood still. I remember that, and having the exact same thought of like, okay, I'm not a very good swimmer. I don't know how deep that water is, and I have no idea how to get this guy out of this bad situation if he if he turns himself into a into a bag of broken bones. But uh, that was <laughs> hilarious. Where I'm at in the story, Brian is. Uh, it's a question that there's so many different answers in different parts of my story. I have come so many miles higher up and further in the heart of God to the place that I can understand that there are millions of more miles left to trek with him. Um, and where I am is coming to the understanding in sort of like the decade of the forties, that I have very little to offer that doesn't come out of a place of just saying yes. God says something. He asks me to do something. He invites me into something. And what he's asking me for is no more or no less than just my consent. Um, And we're... You know, the first 46 years of my life, thus far has led me to, in that regard, is that there's no place in my story, in my life, there's no category where he's not wildly interested and wildly passionate about me being in. And it's easy to point to things like, yeah, he's very, very much interested in my marriage, just like he's very much passionately um, concerned, interested fighting for you and Jenny and the bond that yes. you guys have. Um, yes. He's, he, he wants me to be a conduit of his father heart towards my kids, each individually and universally to reveal who the father is. That's a role that he's called me and you into um, with uh, Calvin and Drew. And those are easy things to point to and say, yeah, he's, he cares about that. But what about, the, what about the things that we don't really know how to talk about? And the frontier for me, the place that he's been coming after me uniquely in a way that I'm so excited about because he's brought me some clarity, is that he's actually interested in what I do in the nine to fives, in the dailies, in my work. And I'd just love to share that with you and whoever cares to listen to it is what does God have to say about me and my work? And what is he doing in me and my work and through me and my work? Because I feel like we've gotten some things maybe wrong or we have some assumptions inside of us that we're kind of a little bit too scared to talk about. So would you, would you let me sort of tell that story?
0: Absolutely, Rich. Um, And when you say work, uh, obviously you mentioned aviation. Um, You know, everybody has their vocation. Everybody has a different line of work and, the way we walk with God in it—it's um, rarely talked about. You know, usually yeah. we, you know, some of us go to mega churches, and some of us are in programs, and in, in those environments, you're rewarded if you're in more programs, and if you're the usher, and if you right. um, stay are there first and thereafter, and you hand out programs and you facilitate Christmas uh, shows, and and some of us um, are in really small bands of brothers, and we're rewarded by maybe lighting a fire, getting guys around it and having deep discussion. Um, But when, it, you know, there's all sorts of ways and maybe you're in a home group or a cell group and, you know, what podcasts are you listening to? You're kind of, there's culture that influences and tells you how, you know, can influence your walk with God. Uh, But the subject of work, the subject of my nine to five, a lot of us, it's taboo. Like, wait a minute, God, work, it goes together? Some of us some of the listeners may not even have that as a category, so to even broach the topic of yeah. work and walk with God, how does that work, and tell us more?
1: <laughs> You're so right on, Brian, because i I am only able to offer what I have to offer from a place of walking through that ache that you just man- mentioned, like I go to church, right. And that's a pretty common experience. And, you know, a lot of our heroes have gone so far as to say that a lot of men in pews are emasculated or they don't feel like they're even welcome or they can't find home there. It's not a masculine experience. It's not a manly thing to go to church. And I I experience that too painfully too often to not get really curious about why. Um, And, I say all of this with just a blessing for church and for the full-time ministry, the ministers that you and I love that we've been connected through um and out of love for them the things that they brought us to is deep connection, deep heart, deep union. God is initiating us, but there's something that's missing like you said. Um and I feel it starts in me. From my desire to outsource way too much of my spiritual growth to them. Mm. Um, Our pastors, our ministers, the people we listen to, the content we take in, our spiritual mentors, um, we've outsourced quite a bit of our need for one on one connection, intimacy, union, spiritual walk, right? God with me. I've outsourced that way too much of my life to them, and in doing so, I've outsourced a lot of the union that God has for me, like an awareness of him with me right here and right now. Right. And so to, right?
0: Yeah. I mean, when I think about outsource, you know, we we may have someone go wash our car for us. We may outsource we may pay someone to do our taxes for us we outsource the taxes even our kids we outsource the coaching at some level mm-hmm. whether they're in sports right. whether they're even even um, you know even even you know when it comes to school we can go hire a tutor and outsource the right. teaching of our kids and you know one of our good buddies Morgan Snyder, always talks about taking that back what are you outsourcing that what are you giving away? What power are you giving away as a father, as a teacher, mm-hmm. as a friend? And, and you use the word outsource. The word outsource is loaded because you go to business school and you're supposed to delegate and outsource everything you can. <laughs> that's because mm-hmm. that's efficiency. Right. That's scales. Mm-hmm. But there's mm-hmm. some things, I think there's a movement of God and you're, you're touching on it. Well, we're, we're not supposed to outsource. In fact, we're supposed to be generalists. We're supposed to take it back. We're supposed to right. take things and our responsibility as a man and the masculine men today and, and take that back and take responsibility and keep our power so rich when it comes to outsourcing it's so loaded um tell us more when when you don't want when you talk about outsourcing what what do you think of
1: yeah i it takes me back and i'm gonna cling pretty tight to scripture and I hope that's okay um otherwise it can get a little bit uh it can get a little bit out of control. when guys like you and me have deep spiritual experiences, encounters, you mentioned retreats, Um, it could be in that setting where we just get away from all the the daily grind and the distraction and all that, where we have this ability and we're open and willing and we feel the presence of God, the veil gets really thin. Um, We can get pretty drawn into a trap. Um, And that trap sounds something like this. Jesus was crucified in one of the most brutal um, ways a man could ever suffer unto his death. And when the moment that he breathed his last, the veil in the temple was torn top to bottom, right? And that, in that invited all of us into a place that we were never allowed to go before, and that was into the holy place, into the holy of holies in the temple mm. in, the of, in the middle of Jerusalem, right? It gave us access that was only reserved for the high priests. If you remember from the Old Testament and the ways of, of the tabernacle, the ways of the temple, there was a special room that was set aside that only the high priest once a year could gain access to. Jesus breathed his last, and that veil that kept all of us out was ripped from top to bottom. And the invitation is, come, see, you're welcome. You, Brian, me, Jim, you know, Harold, whoever's watching, we're all invited in. And we've done over the the next 2,000 years a really good job of resisting that, of not wanting to go there for one reason or another. And what we've done instead is we put up kind of like a a velvet rope with a turnstile and we pay someone um, to take us in as tour guides and give us their interpretation of what they see. But if you have an analytical mind, that's God's expression. He designed you that way to be analytical. So take your analytical mind into the Holy of Holies. You're welcome there, right? Take your 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 desire to understand everything down to the very tactile level. You have to have physical experience. Go there. Um, and so we're, what that tabernacle, temple, Holy of Holies image takes us to, it invited me into a place where I was looking at, God has a design for His sons and daughters. He has a physical design for His, for the way that a a a nation should operate, and He revealed it to us in those places in the Bible we don't really like to go. Right, like you know, Numbers, Leviticus, Deuteronomy. Those 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 reads that you're like, "Ah, I don't know, I don't know if there's anything in here for me. God, I'll just leave that to the to the, the theologians, but. He took his chosen nation, and he started dividing them up. He started carving them out into tribes. You remember this. He carved the nation of Israel into 12 tribes. 11 were released into different regions of the Promised Land. They were released into different regions, and they were organized under tribal names the tribe of judah the half tribe of Anassah. you know these 11 tribes were released and the thing that called them together uniquely as their tribe was their vocation to those that were agrarian he moved into fertile lands to those right. that were mercantile he moved into places where there was access to free water for uh, for mercantilism right for those who were craftsmen he gave them rich natural resources to become artisans, right? He organized us, his chosen nation, around our vocations and the things that we get to do, right? Mm. And he released each nation, each tribe of the nation, to go do what he created them to do. And what what that does for me is like, okay, hang on a second. Like, he cares about my vocation. He created me with a purpose that that does not necessarily look like preaching the word or evangelizing or creating these moments. Right. These spirit moments, because what he did in that organization was he took one tribe, um, the Levites, and he said, you're not getting any land. You're you are set aside to serve God to serve his temple and to serve his people. And, you know, these people had it made in some ways. In some ways they worked really hard, but the ways they had the, had it made was like the other 11 tribes brought in their finest and gave it the first fruits to the temple, right? And to the priests and all that. So they were getting grandma's secret apple pie recipe, right? <laughs> and they were getting the best of everything. Um, and there's, and so that's that trap that I'm talking about is like, oh, yeah. I, I bet you I I want to be over there because that's where the real action with God is. Right, that's where the action is. That's what I was created for. I was created to be the, a son of God, and I only serve Him best when I'm in that place full time, of uh, bringing the Word, of bringing people encounters with God, and all of that. But then He got a hold of me with a with a verse, and I think it's um it's I think it's in Numbers. It caught me totally off guard, and it was in one translation. And this is this is really disruptive for me, Brian. He says, "For any man who wants to become a Levite, basically leave your tribe and become a Levite. I will kill you." Right? Oof. Oof. He pronounced a death sentence on anybody that wanted to leave the tribe that he. He created them to be a part of, to becoming a Levi. He said, I will kill you. That, that disrupted me. Now, I'm going to make some assumptions here, Brian, in our conversation that you and I, we have a conversational walk with God. And if that's a new idea for your listeners, I'd be happy to you know, flesh that out with you. But we have access to the heart of God because the veil got ripped, right? And we have access into his presence and we are his sons and we get to be sons in the full expression. So I took that question to God and I said, interpret that for me. That does not sound like the father God that I've come to know. Hmm. That You would pronounce a death sentence on your own sons. And he said, oh, no, 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 no. We've got that all backwards the only thing, the only law that God could ever make that man cannot find a loophole with is a death sentence. Anything else, we can figure our way around, like or I'll, I'll deal with the sacrifice, or I'll deal with the struggle, or I can find a loophole and God says, no, no, I'm the king of life. I give you life. I give you breath in your lungs. I can take that away. And the point wasn't to keep men from wanting to be Levites. The point was to release them fully into the vocations that he had them set apart for. Just like the Levites were set apart for service from God, every other tribe was set apart for service and for work and for life in the context of that work. And you are now set free. The death sentence is to set you free from the pull of the Levite pulling you back in. Like you said, to be an usher, to have a thriving, right. whatever, or to like, you know. So Rich, this is huge. This it, is right? huge. Yeah.
0: I'm going to stop here for a minute because I grew up thinking, assuming, comparing, whether it be, you know, I can still remember going to summer church camp and the speaker standing up there and says, some of you guys are going to be prophets and some teachers and some apostles and some pastors. And and they never mentioned businessmen they never mentioned you're going to go to the army you're going to be a pilot they never mentioned you may carry a gun for a living you never it was just the fivefold and it's it's kind of a mind shift and and to think that um kind of you grow up and you have this assumption that if you're not a pastor or you're not Mm -hmm. on the worship team or you're not on the you know on the team of of the guys that kind of run the show, then somehow you're less than. Or somehow yeah. your walk with God is not as good. Or there's some mm-hmm. implied ranking um with what it means to serve God, to walk with God. But you're saying, wait a minute, it's it's kind of the exact opposite. Um yep. for the folks of you know for those of us who've kind of uh, may have grown up with those assumptions, um, that if you're not a pastor you're you're maybe less than, unpack that right. for us.
2: Yeah.
1: Um, first of all, um, because I am an analytical numbers guy and, <laughs> you know, the, the, the first five books of the Bible have a lot of numbers in them. I said, well, that's got to be worth something. So I did the math, Brian, <laughs> and just to like paint the picture of what we're talking about. Um, I believe it was something on the order of six hundred and thirty thousand men of, you know, fighting age of working age were mentioned at the beginning of the nation of Israel as they were settling the promised land. And I did the math on the number of those that were Levites. And it turned out to be about three and a half percent. Wow. Of all the men of working and fighting age were Levites. That means there's 96 and a half percent of the men of God's chosen nation 96.5% of his chosen sons were not pastors and were not ministers and were not, you know, the, the guys that were tending to the business of the temple. 96.5% of his sons, who were his favorites, wow. who were his chosen, who That's were sweet. his nation set apart, set free, they lived under his blessing. Right, he didn't just tolerate them. He didn't tolerate the woodworker or the tradesman or the heck, even the tax collector. He didn't just tolerate them, Brian. Like he loved them, and his spirit was upon them. And he set aside lands and resources and opportunities and you know like creation Easter eggs for them to go discover, and then to go do right. And I I, I got my first real taste of this personally. Um, You know, I grew up, uh, the son, my dad was a, uh, he's, you know, he does a lot of work with his hands and he's a builder um, and a general contractor type. And um, I got some of that gene and, you know, I, I cannot stand a tracked home as it is, like moving in and tracked home doorknobs and tracked home you know, finishing and tracked home <laughs> carpeting. And I just go in and moved into, <laughs> well, I try. I'm a, I'm a very amateur custom guy, but I want my house to be my house. Yeah. And so if you were to walk into my house these days, you would see, um, very amateurish furniture all over the house, but I built it <laughs> that with kid. my kids. It's like, You'll see yeah. that our, our, one of my favorite things ever, my wife, Robin, invited me into it. And I built a, a kitchen table with benches that everyone that comes in to dine at my house sits at. And and in my heart, I just look and go, wow, look at, look at all of these unbelievable people that come in and have a meal, share a meal with us at the work of my hands and really got my attention. Um, We have an office in her house, and it was a blank wall. And I started thinking, like, I could put some bookshelves on this wall. And okay, came up with a design. It was not anything fancy. Went to Lowe's, got the materials. Uh, Robin learned how to make stain online. She makes her own stain, which is really cool. And we built a shelf in the course of a couple days. And it's nothing fancy, but got them done. And Robin came in and put books up, and she decorated them with flowers and, you know, meaningful picture frames and all that kind of stuff. And when it was done, I took a step back and I looked, and something in me was indescribably joyful. And it was to this point, to this level. Me and the family, you know, it's in the evening, we're chilling, we're on the couch, we're doing something. A commercial would come on in the middle of the game. I would get up and find myself walking into the office just to look at the shelves and go, Wow, wow, wow. The next morning, I'd wake up and wonder, I wonder what the shelves look like in daybreak. And I'd go <laughs> and I'd just marvel. And yeah. God caught me in that moment. Mm. He said, That's gold, that's treasure. That's me. What I was responding to was the image of God, His creation, and His restoration brought into this world through me. Wow! Uniquely through me. I love and he that. He took me right back to every night of creation. They stepped back and did exactly the same thing, and it felt that expression of like joy and exuberance like my sons his sons and his daughters are going to benefit great yeah. their lives are going to be they're going to be so blessed by what we did today wow. you, know, you come to my house you eat at my table you're going to be blessed by the work of my hands and And the reality, Brian, just to name it, to bring it full circle back to, like, why aren't we getting this? Why aren't we hearing this? Why aren't we talking about this? It has to do with what you said. Um, When we go into our faith circles and our ministry circles, um, when we outsource and say, pastor, teach me what I need to know about God, that's not a two-way conversation. We've outsourced and we've surrendered our seat at the table to say, this mattered to me. Why did it matter to me? And to have that that Levite, if you will, reciprocate with an understanding. Right. Um, and, and so it's it's difficult to submit fully to an authority figure that hasn't had that experience themselves. But yes. we do it all the time, right? Um, and just to, just to take that one step further, like we make this harsh assumption about our boys. When we see someone that's, you know, a son that's 16 or 17 years old and they're filled with passion for God and and the kingdom and the restoration of all things and Jesus, um, at the, at the center of who they are, we make a really harsh assumption that that boy should go to seminary, he should be in full time ministry, he should be doing the work of God. Oh yeah. Whether or not he's got talent and skill set that's that's wildly needed somewhere else that brings him alive. Right. Or or in so the seminary.
0: Yeah. God may have another plan for him, right?
1: Totally. So what we've done is we've taken that 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 kingdom son, that kingdom hearted son and shove them behind a door that most people won't access.
2: Mm.
1: Most people will not go into a church because they they don't feel as if they're going to be validated for who they are, right? Mm. If that if that boy has grown up to be a man who doesn't who's been taken out of the place of his greatest gifting, And again, I say that all in blessing of our pastors and thank God for them. Thank God for those who sweat and bleed and and give their whole lives and devote to us. Those are the Levites. But there's a distinction, Brian, and I've I've unpacked this with other guys um, that are sort of in the ministry realm. And they say there's something interesting about a true Levite, and that's that they long to go across the fence into our world and God keeps them constrained where they are, right? Yeah. So I know I'm out there. I I know that this might sound really heretical or might sound ungrateful, but just I'm trying to bring some validation to you and to me and to men like us that this conversation and this heart that God gave us is every bit as sanctified, every bit as holy, every bit as necessary to the kingdom as those men and women who wake up every morning and literally go do what we call God's work.
0: Oh, a hundred percent rich. And, you know, you said something the beginning 96% of the 630,000, the chosen weren't Levites. They weren't pastors. They weren't called behind the pulpit to do full-time ministry. They were businessmen, right. aviators. They, they had calls in their life in the marketplace, the mercantile. And, you know, as a, as a businessman and, and, one working outside of that three percent i I find myself being validated just by what you have said because it not a whole lot of people are saying it, not a whole lot of people um understand it from the biblical perspective or have have any revelation they did like you said they just assume they see a good leader at church, they put the pressure on them there may be an altar call, and if you're going to be a pastor when you grow up, raise your hand and you're in the youth group and and there's no there hasn't been in some circles consideration. That God can actually speak and call you into aviation or call you right. into um, entertainment, government, um, mm-hmm. what's, what's often called as the seven mountains. Right. And, you mm-hmm. know, if, if I'm listening right. today and I'm a businessman and Rich, you just unpacked some validating teaching and some validating revelation about the call on on th- those who are not in ministry, our lives to serve and and. In the marketplace, you know, what kind of encouragement would you have for that guy who thought, "Wait a minute, I'm I'm just as worthy. My call's just as important." I would go mm-hmm. so far as saying, it's, maybe it's more important because of the people, like you said, who are not going to walk into the front door of a church because of previous experience, hurt habits, hangups, and disqualifications. Mm-hmm. They may not had a good experience, but they know God loves them." And they're looking for community, like, crap, where do I go? Who is going to meet the person who doesn't feel qualified and doesn't walk in the front doors of the church? Because God doesn't say he doesn't, he says he loves all of us. He doesn't doesn't have qualifiers, yet we humans do. As a businessman or someone and then the 96% rich, what kind of encouragement should I take away from it?
1: Oh, yeah. Uh, Well, I'm glad you asked, because I have quite a bit of that to offer. Um, I, and I want to get one more thing kind of out of the way as a, what, what is a temptation for, for guys that want to consent to the narrow path, right? And, yes. In the path and process, because it might not even be church. You and I are, are products of these heroes in our lives. You know, the, the John Eldridge's, the Morgan Snyders, the Jay Hex were products of their, their committed stewardship. To bringing us into god 's presence, um, I think you would agree with that, absolutely, um, and the trapping for us, Brian, is to say, well, that 's where the action is, and I must now go chasing after that level of spiritual encounter that I had at that one thing, at that one event, that one weekend, that one mountaintop experience. I must make it part of my normal life to go chasing after that so that I can stay in God's presence, right? Um, And so the more I can get, the more frequent I can get, the better off I will be, the more safe I'll be, the more validated, like that place of presence of God. Dallas Willard addressed this head on. Um, uh, Dallas Willard is one of our heroes uh, in the faith who himself worked in a secular work environment as a professor at USC in philosophy. Right. Yeah. Right. And he said the life of the Spirit is not primarily a matter of magnificent events. And if you try to lead the life of the Spirit by having magnificent events, you'll be a magnificent failure if you lead your life of obedience Where you are, expectant of the Holy Spirit to assist you to lead a life of obedience, there are going to be magnificent events. Mm. The challenge inside of that is that phrase, where you are. Where are you? Wherever you find yourself expectant of the Holy Spirit. And again, like I said before, all he's asking for is consent. Will you will you let me grow expectation of the Spirit to come on your behalf? Will you let me? Will you believe that I do care about what you do in accounting or what you do in plumbing? whatever it is that you do, will you let me grow that in you? And so he's standing baby on the outside of that door and knocking right now on some hearts as we have this conversation and he's asking you, will you let me in? All you got to do is say yes. Hmm. All I want is your yes. But I do like, I, I do want to press into that a little more on the encouraging, um, in the encouraging world because right, if I'm
0: sitting it. here right there it's like I'm sitting here challenged disrupted Yeah, I'm like okay so my son and I are plumbers and we're working on our next project that looks way different than evangelist Tim who stands in a corner and shouts the gospel at people uh, you know some would argue with great effects I'm not um, if I'm a plumber under a sink all day Yep. What's that even look like, Rich? What do you mean? How, mm. how, what, what is my consent? What's that, what, what, what could that mm. look like? Or if I'm an accounting T- department A and I'm doing the TPS reports. Like, Absolutely. what's my consent have to do with anything?
1: Absolutely. I have so many answers to that right now, and it's only a partial list. So this is where we get to start talking about initiation. And, you know, Brian, we, we're in the deep end of being initiated as we initiate our kids right we're we're a conduit we're being initiated so that we can initiate um and that's how god raises up his kings is through initiation right like um and i just want to ask a question because you're so tight with calvin and drew like when i say you initiate your sons what kind of things come to mind oh sure
0: um that's a great because I'm sure listeners are saying, what's initiation in the first place? And um, initiation for me and my sons um, simply means walking with God, listening and being invited in to do hard things uh, and, and going after it. Things we don't even know how to do. But an invitation, we walk with God to learn, to do hard things, to grow and, and to take them on to not be to face our fears example uh climbing mountains i moved to idaho i had no idea how to climb a mountain i'm not talking rappel gear and hats and the whole you know the whole thing um mm-hmm. some of you guys in colorado are much more technically advanced i'm talking about just looking at a 12,000 foot peak and knowing that i can do a boulder scramble i can leave at 4 a.m. and i can go 3,000 4,000 feet up and i can i can summit that peak uh, I came from Flatland, Iowa <laughs> was, you know, we'd, we'd pheasant hunt and we'd go over rolling Hills and I thought, man, that's steep. And actually when you get out to the West, <laughs> Colorado, Idaho, it's not steep at all. <laughs> and we'd look up at these mountains here when I first moved here. And I thought, and I'd be next to my friend who was a, you know, who was a master, who was a guide who said, you can climb, we'd drive by and I look at these Twelve thousand foot peaks, like those are huge. I'd have to have so many ropes to get up that thing. He looked at me and said, "No, I could show you a way. There's a route. You gotta be, you have, you have to be good at choosing a route." I'm like, "What?" <laughs> and right then there was a there was an invitation. He said, "Hey, Brian, do not you come with me and I'll show you how to pick a route and to climb up mountains in the West." I'm like, "Okay." And at that moment, I was invited into something I couldn't do alone. I'd have to trust a guide. To go, to to meet the to the end of that journey and to climb a mountain. Same thing with God. There's always an invitation, and right. I was initiated myself with a guide who helped me pick a route and climb twelve thousand feet mountains, and we did it. We climbed Mount Bora, the highest uh, you know peak in Idaho. I had no idea. I thought there's no way I could get up that mountain without ropes and helmets and without dying. And the guide took me up there. He said, you know, we're leaving early. We're gonna pick a route that's safe. You're going to have to bring water and provision and have good boots. He, he told me what tools to bring. And by golly, he taught me how to do it. And you, you, your first question was, how do you initiate your sons? Well, I just figured out how to do it with a guide. Now I'm going to show my sons how to do it. At age 7 and 10, I took my sons into the Seven Devon, Seven Devils Wilderness Area, which had all kinds of 9,000-foot peaks. And at 7 and 10, I showed them how to pick out the right boots, carry the water, Take the things Hmm. and the provisions you needed to climb, pick a route and to climb a mountain. Something I never had at seven. It took me 32 years to get the skill sets to go into these mountain ranges to climb. So when you say initiation, it's with God. It's, hey, come, let me show you something about your heart. It may not be a mountain range in the physical, but it may be a spiritual range where you're supposed to take authority and lead your family. And he, he initiates us. He invites us into those things where we don't know necessarily what we're doing but he's going to meet us with people with guides with folks that know what they're doing and they invite us in to learn so we can give away and learn and become proficient in areas where where we're going to give away we never had and that's a short so i've initiated my sons on how to climb mountains i've initiated them in ceremony surrounded by 12 13 14 we call them uncles you know when they're 13 You know, we're not Jewish, but, you know, at 13 is a big age in a lot of religions and traditions. We had 13 guys sitting around a table talking about what they wish they would have had when they were 13. And then the offer to my sons in ceremony, their guidance, their proficiency, their phone numbers. Hey, when you have a question, you can call me. You know, sometimes it's not comfortable calling your own dad. Come call me. I will help you. That's. A short yeah, snapshot exactly. of initiation.
1: Exactly. So tell me, as you tell that story, which is beautiful, and like if I could just take a real quick aside and say, I've been invited into your house and I feel so privileged and honored because I've seen your sons. I've also seen your wife and how vibrant she is and how well loved that she is. Like, is Brian Bird the real deal? I will be on your very short list of men um, who will vociferously. Did I say that the wrong way? I'll be on a very long list of men who will passionately, vociferously say, Brian, you are the real deal. What everything that you share is out of experience. It's not bullshit. It's not like theoretical. Your wife is vibrant. Your sons are vibrant. They are strong and they're fiercely dangerous in this world. But they turn with care and concern and compassion towards others every chance mm-hmm. they get. Um, Thank you. And so as you're, as you're recalling those stories of initiating your sons, what, what's your heart? What's your purpose behind inviting them into these experiences? Oh, lots. But the
0: heart behind initiation is I know who they're called to be. I know when they grow up, they're so capable. I, um, and I and I come with them with nothing but belief in, and and exuberant amounts of love and purpose and and belief that they can do um, things that they that they, that's in them, and I want to help them pull out from their hearts to help show them that they have what it takes, but also that they're called to do great things, and if it's hard, it's probably where they need to be. If it looks yeah. hard that's probably where they need to go. If it's, if there's fear involved, oop, that's an area where we need to step into. We need to go towards hard things towards the things that are, that we're afraid of because that's, that's how God's designed us. That's how he get, designs boys and men and masculine, um, you know, great masculinity to take, to provide care, to take care of the widows, to take care of the poor, to take care of hard things, to, to, um, Change the world in which we've
1: been placed yeah and so the point is not to be able to go climb huge mountain peaks that's not the end that's not the end it's a means right yep what you're describing yeah go ahead
2: yeah the mountains are just an analogy
0: because we face so many mountains in life pillars downfalls you know we face death we play we face family members dying and leaving this earth we yeah. face you know we face hard things and as young men uh, we need to get around older men cuz they they know what to do a whole yeah. a whole veteran man who's been through war who's been through loss and come out better on the other side to give away life like they know what to do and the invitation initiation is let's get our young men who don't know around the old men who have been through it and do and let's teach yeah. them let's show them yeah. a, a better way a whole way a more integrated way um to be to get on the path and the journey to walk with god so they can become a path of becoming versus i got to have all the answers or um, I just need to get on TikTok to figure out the next solution. No, it's there's an actual path and a walk that was, you know, designed for us an apprenticeship that's kind of been lost, that guys like you and I and others are recovering. And those uh, that's what part of initiation is all about, is to get back on that journey and to recover that.
1: Yeah, that's that's beautiful because what you're describing, Brian, is the heart of a father the heart of a true father. You're describing a father who loves his sons and his daughters. And there's initiation for women as well, but we're talking specifically about men here. And right. the point, like you said, is not to get the Instagram picture at the top of the highest peak, right? That's, that's not it. That's awesome. That's like a trail marker. That's a treasure. Um, Whatever those, pictures and memories and souvenirs and all those things are. The point is you you named a lot of elements. The unknown, danger, uncertainty. And then a wise guide to say this is what you need. This is how you do it. This there is an easy way, like you said, about finding a path. Because young bucks will try to charge right up the steepest part of the slope. Right. And the wise (laughs) the wise guide says, no, there's There's an easy way we can do this together. And the point is to create in us strength and courage for the next level, for the next, you know, when we see danger, we know inside our hearts we can face it. Right. Your sons, Calvin um, and yeah, and Drew, they can face danger. You're you're released one. You're about to release another a couple of years into the world and they have what it takes. Right. I was just at I was just at the nine eleven memorial in New York City at ground zero and oh, wow. overwhelmed at the thought of ordinary men and women their names on the carved and carved in the memorial now with their, you know, engine number or their crew number or whatever. Ordinary people woke up under an ordinary day and they charged into that disaster saying, I'm in a <sighs> Those men and women didn't just wake up one day and decide to do that. Mm. That heroism and that courage was initiated in them day in, day out, for months, years, decades. And they made a difference, right? 100%.
2: That's what
1: we're talking about. That's what we're talking about with the power of being initiated. So. What does that have to do with the plumber? Well, I've come across a sort of theorem inside of me about the heart of God in this exploration, where God initiates us everywhere. I mean, you want to you want to find out your weak spots and what's adventure and where danger lies. Get married, right?
0: One hundred percent,
1: right. Uh, get married and all, uh, Brian I love you've been so vulnerable over your years of sharing stories about how just your relationship with Jenny and the f- crap you guys have walked through through the course of your marriage and how you've become the man that you are because you've consented to the process of God initiating you as a son right yes um and it, so he initiates us there. He initiates us again in our friendships and he initiates us in our, in our parenting and in so many different aspects of life. He's initiating me again in finance and right, like car ownership. He's always there pursuing you as a father. But Brian, here's the theorem. In no place in a man's life does God do anywhere near the depth of initiation as he does in our workplaces. Hmm. There's no place quite like our workplaces where God has access to initiate his sons. Because a lot of the things that we can control are no longer controllable. You're the plumber. You get called to a job. You have no control over who you're around. None. I mean, you could turn down the job, but then you could also forget being a plumber, right? You have no control over who's going to give you your certification as a plumber, as a master craftsman. That's, That's a father placed in your path. Like you were talking about uncles, whoever certified you as a master craftsman, whoever those people are, those are wise guys and you don't get to pick them you don't get to pick Mm. the jobs you're called to you don't get to pick the kinds of people that you're around you don't get to pick the place the context so much of what you can control is off the board and you can do all that at church you can pick your friends you can pick where you live you can pick like every other category of life except at your workplace and Mm. i've had so many of my youthful, ambitious assumptions blown to smithereens by being put in context with people I thought I hated. Mm. The people that wouldn't come to church with me. The people that I wouldn't even dare ask. The people that are the outcasts, or the people that we somehow have in our modern culture felt like we need to divide ourselves against. Yes. And God puts me in a place where not only do I have to be in the same room, we have a shared mission. We have to do something together for me to come to a place of like, no, wait a minute. I don't see you for your politics or your, Sexual orientation or whatever that thing is that's supposed to divide us, yes, now we're on the same team, we're forced into the same foxhole. you and I have a lot more in common than the world would have me believe right, so it's just so that... rich
2: i just I'm thinking about
0: you know you and I both have rallied men um around fires, not on Sundays. Mm-hmm. Yeah, on, on a night week and the guys that show up at fires and we, we go to share stories and to be heard and to be seen. And we, we rally around God, of course. But I just was thinking about the guys who show up around fires are much different than the guys who are show up in the pews on Sundays. And a lot of it, a lot of it has to do with what we're talking about. You know, I, I have a fire tonight, Am at Idaho, wild courage. And it's where we go to rally and uh we got together, we started just because just because of uh COVID was shutting down churches and we needed a place to go because our brotherhood didn't stop just because the government said churches can't meet. So we were meeting in a barn and uh we were you know, and, and I didn't think anything of it, but the guys that started coming, they were they were white, they were Indians, they were blacks, there were um Vietnamese, we have all races, there's uh straight, gay uh, LGBTQ uh, community, there's, um, you know, it's, it's very diverse, very diverse. There's Baptists, there's Mormons, there's Christians, there's agnostics, there's non-believers. And they all rallied around a fire and and, and they showed up. They wanted a scene, they wanted a brotherhood. And, and it was very, very much, very much more what I believe is the kingdom of God <clears throat> than it was in the section of you know, white America that I saw on Sunday mornings. It was just, and for the last three years, we've been, you know, going to these fires and there's just something there about, you know, shared mission, shared goals um, that where, where race and sex and other things can't affect. Um, it's much more pure, much more whole, much more close to the heart of God. And I get so encouraged and to, and to hear that, you know, your perspective on, you know, where where's our place in the workplace and the influence and, and that shared mission to folks that we otherwise may not hang out with. I mean, it's so encouraging. Um, thanks for pointing that out. I just, it, it, I'm just curious that your fires, are you finding the same thing? And is it, yeah, is it, um, is, is it the same lane of like, what's God doing here? I wouldn't normally hang out with, with Joe or Sarah or whoever, but, but here I
1: would. Yeah, dude. Like, <laughs> so, um, I've been hosting the coal biters uh, here in Colorado Springs for about three and the a half years. The coal biters. Is that, is that the name? The coal biters. Yep. Coal yep. biters. Okay. It's. Yeah. It's from uh it, it's from a Tolkien. Um, Tolkien was famous for meeting with, um, you know, a bunch of other scholars there at Oxford um, and they were called the Inklings, right? Um, he actually had, a different group before the inklings ever came along before c s Lewis joined in, it was uh, they, they called themselves the coal biters, uh, <laughs> and that's a Norse term for uh, the kid that's too lazy um, and he doesn't like the cold, so he sits so close to the fire that he can bite the coals um, <laughs> but in in the in the way an allegory is written. The coal buyer is that kid who also is the unlikely hero in the story. Mm. It was the reluctant boy who was grown and pulled and invited and necessary to the to the salvation of the story. He was the unlikely hero. That's the coal buyer. That's who we are. But to your question about uh, what we've, I pray, Brian, for atheists to come. I pray for a diverse group of people like you found. And I love the guys that come and, and I do find the same thing. I do find a lot of ache. I do find a lot of question about like, Hey, this feels more like what I think church should be. Right. Where there is dialogue where there is, this is where I am at. And they're not met with take two verses and call me in the morning. Right. And we get to unpack the hard things of life of, God is, dare I say, inviting me into believing something that I don't feel comfortable with. He's inviting me into this dangerous place of actually having compassion on someone who the world says I shouldn't care about because let me tell you who he voted for. Mm. Or let me tell you what they are tolerant of. Right. and. The the reality of every person on this planet is that they're a son or a daughter made in the image of our father. And he's putting us in that place. And like, that's just one context of his initiation in our workplaces. One of like a hundred. I'll give you a few more. Um, Sure. We have to go through the process of detaching our identity from our jobs. We have to go through that process. And he's so kind and gracious because if all of a sudden I am a CPA, well, you've just assigned the seat of ruler, king, of son. You've assigned the seat to something so much smaller in your own heart. And for him to say, yep, you're an accountant. The world has certified you. You're very good at it you've blessed the world through what you do and i'll get to that in a minute you yeah. you make the world a better place because of what you do but deep down you're more than a cpa you are a son you are my favorite you are husband you know right brother uncle father all those things that matter well there is a, there is a right ordering of the loves of your life and what you love there's nothing wrong with loving your job mm. there's nothing wrong with being passionate about it there is something wrong if you cannot leave that and move into another and into another call in your life right if you can't drop the pencil at the end of the day and say i am done in this vocation i'm moving on to the next thing or i'm moving into a place of rest or whatever there is something wrong with that, and God has to show you the ropes. He's got to show you how that is powerful, how the power of identity, of seed, of I am a, you know, I am a plumber, how that can take over, and marriages suffer, kids suffer, all those kinds of things are suffering. But He initiates us in that. It's not just a decision that we make. Yeah. But more so, I want to answer your question about the plumber more directly.
2: Yeah. Um. I can
1: think of no legitimate career. And by legitimate, I'm talking about not not the illegal, the illicit, um, you know, I can name a few of those categories, but I can think of no legitimate job that is not actively bringing God's restoration into the world.
2: Nothing. Mm.
1: And... Maybe this is for me. Maybe this is actually what God means when he talks about restoring the world. Jesus came, right? He gave his life. He conquered death. He conquered sin. We are living into the reality of a never ending kingdom of God. Evil is still having its influence in the world. There's still a war raging. We are in a world at war right now where good, And evil or in this epic clash. I know that a lot of us believe it's towards like the climax. Our enemy is freaking out and unleashing so much tyranny and so much destruction and death that it's unfathomable, right? We live in that place right now, but we actually live in a kingdom that will have no end. Revelation and all of Jesus' teaching points us towards that kingdom. And he says, I will restore all things. <clears throat> he, will, he will bring the world back to what his original intent was right? in Genesis at the beginning of the whole book. I will restore things back to the way they were. How do we assume he's going to do that? Do we assume that it's going to be the snap of a finger and a flash of lightning? Or is he so Intimately partnered with us in this world that he created and released us into at the very beginning. That we're actually going to take part in the restorative work. That restoration will be done with the help of our own hands. You, me. Because if you remember, work was not part of the fall, it was not a death sentence. Right. In fact, when he released us into the world, he said, "This is yours. I've created this for you. Rule and subdue. Subdue it. Like that's not, that's not get on your phone and order Amazon to go right? like build a log cabin. No, you do it. <laughs> Let me show you how. Let me show you like all of the zillions of secrets I've hidden in creation. Go find out. Wow. So bring it's, them out of the world. Yeah,
0: you're saying, <clears throat> as a plumber, as a as a as a framer, I am invited into God's restoration with my skill set, with my vocation. I am part of the restoration with with God. Like I have a role. I have a I have a a path. I have a journey. I have a role to play in the larger story.
1: Jesus said so much, right? Like. John Eldridge has taught us that one of Jesus' biggest proofs is like, what's the fruit? Yeah. So to that plumber that just spent the day being a plumber today, December 27th, Wednesday, what's the fruit of what you did today? And I'm touched by the fact that you got a call. If you're a residential freelance plumber, you got a call today from a single mom who's, pipes had burst in the freezing cold and her house was flooded and she felt that pang of death I don't know how to handle this I don't know what to do about this I just, I need it fixed like my my world just blew up because I got three littles at home, I'm all alone and my house is flooded I don't know what to do and you said I got this I got this You're going to be okay. You're going to be okay. Let me come in and help you. And you walked into her kingdom. And you saw her three littles. And your heart rose in some sort of love and compassion. And you had what it took. You came in and you restored things to the way they ought to be. And she will never see you again. She probably has to pay your wage, right? but you made the world a better place. Hmm. One piece at a time, one step at a time, one act at a time, right? And so that's where that that satisfaction of looking at my shelves comes into play is what we, we lack so much in this instant gratification, move on to the next thing, up into the right world, Brian, is for that plumber to be invited. And I invite everyone right now to stop and go, God, show me your delight in what I did. Show me your delight. Like, where is that thing of, I, I, I actually want to revisit. Show me my effect. Show me what I did today that was one more step, even if it's a tiny step towards your restoration of the world as you meant it to be. And no wow. one is excluded. No, no one's excluded. Like, well, actually, that's so inclusive. I'm,
0: I feel my heart raising and encouraged that the little things I think are mundane of of day in, day out, Monday through Friday or Saturday, just grinding as part of wait a minute. I'm invited to be part of restoration of all things. I have a role in what God's doing. That's, I think that's a great place to stop today with part one with Rich. Um, and just to end on that on that invitation on that disruptive um for some of us it's a new category of thinking i have a role to play in the restoration of all things it's 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 uh it's an invitation and with that rich i'm going to say thank you we've been at it for an hour and 9 minutes and there, i think there's more to come here you've um, uncovered uh, unpacked a um a a line of thinking that's that's going to be new for a lot of people, it's going to be disruptive, but most of all, it's going to be so encouraging to think that what I do is no less important than a pastor, preacher, evangelist, but it might be even as important or even more when it comes to the restoration of all things. So, Rich, yeah. thank you so yeah. much. Um, we're going to end with that, but thank you. Now, what I would do want to know is, will you come back and unpack more of of this idea that our vocation, um, has a huge role to play, maybe more than we ever thought.
1: Yeah, Brian, I, I mean, any time with you, um, you know, I think it was John Eldridge that described this, always listening to how our soul is reacting to a certain situation. And my soul right now, anytime I'm with you, even is the spirit of a, labrador puppy and my tail is just wag 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 wag. so i'd be honored to come back (laughs) i do want to ask on your platform brian like there are those men who are listening to the things that we've kind of unpacked and have doubt and have serious concern or like proof i have proof that this is absolutely not true um because there's so many places we could go and like you know, that that feeling of I'm worthless at my work or my work is toxic or um but the other things yeah. that I haven't even I haven't even come into contact with I want to encourage that feedback if you have that on available to your audience like I'd love to where, where's the ache? Where's the, the that's the like I'm I feel like some yellow flags getting thrown and saying that's not true. Um I wanna know yeah. what those are and we can tackle them. I would be honored to come back. I love you. I love what you're up to. And any man that's aligned with you listening to this, just, I want to say, I love you too. Uh, As a, uh, Rich, as a
0: teaser, as a teaser, just to to get folks thinking, I, let's say I'm in a toxic workplace. Let's say it's bad. Let's say, um, I got an overruling boss and we got a grind 80 and we're covered in the monthly nut for the business. And we're a tech startup and the pressure's on. Heck and it yeah. is toxic.
2: What's your response?
1: In a lot of ways, my response is, what is my post? What is my role? What is God initiating in me? Because, and I just want to say, like, there's an assumption in there that God's not there. Yes. In that toxic start up in that me-centric up and to the right, there's an assumption that we all make that God can't possibly be a part of that. And so we feel this responsibility to bring God in so that we can be safe, right? And Dallas Willard addressed that head on. And he said, if you have this desire to bring God into your workplace, you need to understand one thing. That's he's already there. Hmm. He's already there. And so as a teaser, I just want to invite the question of maybe there's an opportunity to, to ask God, God, where are you initiating me in this? And it very well might be one of the hardest things that you could ever accept is for him to say, Son, I release you from this. Wow. You were released from this post. Maybe, right? But you have to right believe and consent that he's actually speaking, that he actually comes with you into that toxic place and that he's very much passionately interested in meeting you in that conversation.
0: Rich, thanks so much. Uh that is a taster. That is a invitation for disruption of, I, th- I believe, of all good things um, to journey and walk with God. In, we're going to have you back hopefully soon to continue this conversation. But for now, Rich, thank you so much for coming on mm-hmm. the Iron Bison Training Podcast. We love having you. And uh, we're better for it. We're invited. We're disrupted. But most of all, we're encouraged uh,
2: in our vocations. Thanks so much.
1: Love you, brother. So good to be with you. Love you.